In the race for productivity, like having sleep wins, like, like all science backs that up, but it's like this illusion that, oh, if I work harder Tough and I out. sleep less, it's ridiculous. Hello and welcome to Minter Dialogue, episode number 368. Today is Sunday the 12th of April 2020, and this interview is a very timely one, especially for anyone with difficulty sleeping. My name is Minter Dial and I'm your host for this podcast. This week's interview is with Drew Ackerman, aka Deer Scooter, aka Scoots, and he's the host of the soporific, mellifluously boring Sleep With Me podcast that has 3 million monthly downloads. In this conversation with Drew, we discuss his journey to making Sleep With Me, his creative process, and some of the behind-the-curtain work that goes into making of each episode. We hear about how Drew deals with the online celebrity status. We also hear about some of his own battles with sleep. It's a deeply personal, vulnerable, and stirring conversation. You'll find all the show notes on minterdial.com, Please think to rate us if you like the show and don't forget to subscribe to catch all the next episodes. Now for the interview with Drew. Drew Ackerman, my goodness, by which name you go most well-known, Scooter, Scoots, um, the, the <laughs> man with the, the wonderful, soporific voice, Drew Ackerman. In your own words, how do you describe yourself? Well, I guess I would describe myself as a bedtime storyteller or a... Uh spinner of long, winding, senseless tales. I'm going to guess you tell stories not just at bedtime, but you must be some kind of a storyteller. Yeah, I've always loved telling stories. And actually, I mean, that's kind of where the idea of the podcast came from was like, I used to tell stories to my friends when we'd be like sitting around in a park on a blanket. It would be like watching the clouds and relaxing. I'd be like, okay, just give me a few words and I'll tell you a story. And uh, they'd say, okay, squirrel, pineapples, and uh, banana peels. And I'd be like, oh, okay, but my stories were never very exciting. They're more lying around in the park, relaxing kind of stories. Wow. Well, so very much sounds like improv. Yeah, I guess it's very similar. I never realized it until I'd been doing the show for a while and people would reach out to me. But for me, it's like, instead of a stage and working with other actors, it's working with all the uh, different parts of my brain and personality that seem to crop up and, and, and thoughts that pop up in my head and kind of saying, oh, what do you have to say? Oh, okay, let me listen. And what do you have to say about this? So that that's really also speaks to creativity for me, Drew. So you're lying on the, on the grass, looking at the clouds, a squirrel and, and tree or whatever. How do, how do you go from that to creating a podcast? So this is a long, that's another one. Oh boy, don't get me started. I might put your audience to sleep. It's a long, winding tale. Uh, the short version is at some point in my adulthood, I'd kind of been trying to figure out, I'd, I didn't have a set career path as a lot of people that are probably listening to this. And I was like, oh, what do I want to do? And I was frustrated and I just had a daughter and I was thinking about my daughter and, and, and trying to raise her as a strong woman and, and all these ideas you have when you have children. And at some point one night, I was walking by a mirror and I saw my reflection in the mirror and I looked really tired and and exhausted. And for some reason, I started to play this fantasy out of my daughter getting older 
and moving in with her boyfriend, which is like, and I was like, like playing out this idea. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, aren't you going to be friends with your dad anymore? No, dad, I'm sick of you. And I'm like, well, what did I do wrong? And it's like, well, you've always told me I could do whatever I wanted or be whatever I wanted, but you never tried. And I kind of realized that that was my biggest fear. Wow. Was like never trying. And that's kind of how I'd been living my life is half trying. And at that point, I didn't, it didn't, wasn't a life changing moment other than it stuck with me. I still kind of screwed around and didn't follow through on a lot of stuff, but it planted that seed of like, well, what am, what am I going to do if I'm, if I turn like 80 years old and I look back, what am I going to fear most? And it was that thing of like, just not trying. And so then I started doing some writing and, and taking some community college classes just to meet other writers and writing other things. And then I was writing something with a couple other writers that we were going to kind of like comedy that we were going to do on YouTube. And then we ended up not like moving forward. And all along that time, I kept having the idea for the podcast of like, hey, what about a bedtime story podcast for adults that's kind of silly and goofy? And I'd be like, no, 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 that idea is terrible. And then it'll pop up again. Hey, why don't, what, what about you could make a podcast and just tell stories and put people, say, no, 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 that would be embarrassing. But this is the no in your little mind. This is the no, yeah. the no stir up here. Exactly. That critic, like, and, and it kept, it was years and, and I'd be like, no, I don't know how to make a podcast. No, I don't know how to talk on the mic. And eventually when I broke up with those writers, I'd had a lot of writing time set aside as a hobby, you know, like at night and when I was commuting to my day job in some part of my brain that I'm very unfamiliar with, or some part of me was like, hey, why don't you start that podcast right now before you lose that time to something else? And that was like the biggest thing that started. I was like, okay, yeah, let's just try. And, and, and I said, okay, let's just start making this podcast and see how it goes. And at any point, at what point did the reflection you have with your daughter come into that? I mean, was it wasn't an explicit, well, this is the thing I'm going to do to reply to the question that my daughter's going to ask me. No, it was always like in a reflective moment of like, when, when I'm dealing with that no, or that critic of like, no, you can't do this, or this is just too scary, or you're powerless. It, it was like, when I had a little bit of space, it'd be like, well, I, I, I hear what you're saying. But when I'm what am I really going to regret most? Is it and really going to be the most emotionally painful for me with like 20 or 30 or 40 years from now is that I just never did it. Like what won't I be able to forgive myself for is like setting that example for my daughter. And so then I'd be like, so I think that's what gave me the space to be like, let's just try this podcast. We don't know what we're doing. We don't know if anybody will listen, but does it really matter if we're, if we're, if our success is trying it really redefined everything for me. Well, it's a beautiful story. And it also makes me think about how these things come about, which in your case, you were talking about this sort of, you had this idea and it didn't happen overnight, but it, it sort of like mulled wine. It sort of eventually came to be. And then all of a sudden you have that little moment that you try it. Who cares if it fails? And by the way, most podcasts when they start, of course, have zero listeners, except right. for one from mom. You know, hey, mom, I've tried this thing. So when you start off, because right now, as I understand it, your, your main Sleep With Me is your main podcast. You've done other examples, Sleep to Strange and Game of Drones, to which I listen for many, many episodes. Talk us through how you've come, 
come to this point of sleep with me? Yeah, so it it was a slow thing too. It was like, okay, let's just start making the show and see how it goes and see how comfortable I could get. And and again, that big threat for me was like, are you that little kid inside me was like, are you going to really follow through on this? Because this is kind of fun. As soon as we started making this, like, I really like this. And it's like, then it was like, are you are you going to let me down once again and not keep doing this? And it was like staying in that place of like, okay, let's just keep testing out these ideas. What works? What doesn't work? And for making a podcast, you also have to usually listen to it before it comes out, which can be painful, but it gives you so many lessons of like, oh boy, that didn't work. And then, yeah, like zero people listen and then one or two people listen and then eventually like 20 or 30 people listen. And one of those 20 or 30 people will all actually offer their opinion. And, and a lot of times it's like, hey, I, I don't know if I liked this. And for me, it was like listening to those things and saying, okay, let me try to fix this. Like I won't talk about snakes or one of the most powerful pieces of advice I got from listeners within the first year was like, I really don't like it when you use self-deprecating humor, like in, in a sharp way. And, and, and it sounds more like you're, you're doing it for yourself or, or you're feeling sorry for yourself. And, and, and they're like, you know, that impacts me as I'm trying to fall asleep. And it really helped me be like, okay, it's okay to use it in a softer, fun way. But when you're using it in a harsh, kind of cruel way, obviously it's like it helps. It should have been obvious to me, but it wasn't. It's like, oh, that's not going to help someone fall asleep if I'm feeling bad about myself or letting my critic like trash me in front of the audience. And so it was just a slow process of saying, oh, this worked and this didn't work or this person didn't like this. And then it was like, okay, in making stuff, then you get to the point where it's like, you kind of have to find, and, and I think it's a fluid thing of like, why am I making this? Or, or what is the guiding thing in my gut that's guiding this thing? And then how do I process the feedback coming at me? And how do I kind of stay balanced or vacillate and make mistakes and still recover? Because especially right now, people have strong opinions. And, and it's like, you want to be able to listen to those or filter those and still be able to make the thing because you can't please everybody. But, but at least for me, I always find a default of like wishing I could or wanting to, but it's really impossible. Well, you've now got to the point where you have, uh, as I understand it, 3 million weekly downloads. And it, as I was trying to figure out exactly the placement that puts you in the stratospheres of podcasts. And so clearly you're a public figure now, Drew, and, and you must get a lot of, of interactions and, you know, people calling you out for stuff. And, and do you have to deal with some, I mean, it's hard, for me hard to imagine, but do you have to deal with people who are being gross and, and unfortunate with you? Yeah, yeah. It's only that we're only three million a month, which so it's not that quite that, but still huge. enough. That, oh, it's that, still like, huge. But yeah, it's weird that I think it's been helpful, and I've had to grow. So anybody that's listening that thinks that this just happened, it took me like six or seven years to get to this point, but of like being able to deal with the feedback. But my voice and my style of show hits some people's brain in a way that makes them absolutely outraged and so they'll send me these outraged emails of like and it's kind of a senseless outrage i think that they're they can't sleep and then they're listening to something that's supposed to help them sleep that they strongly dislike so i get those emails and it's like okay right the show's just not for everybody and so it helps me learn that lesson again and again and again and then i've also learned that some people just aren't like especially people that aren't can't sleep are not 
well. They have a lot of other stuff going on in their lives and they might lash out to me, whether they like the show or don't. I get, sometimes I get really personal, nasty things from people that like the show. And I have to be like, now I just hit delete. I'm like, okay, this person's just not in a good place. And I'm the one they're, they're, they're lashing on at. And I don't have to, to, like, if I start to see something that's feels insidious, I can just delete it. It, it. Just like if someone walked up to me and started talking to me that way, I'd say, you know what? Step back, like, or, or I'm going to walk away from you because this is not cool. Wow. Well, I mean, good on you for, for dealing with that. I obviously think you're, <laughs> of course, you're, uh, you're an ongoing for-profit enterprise, but I think you're a public service too. That's the way I think you're, that's the stature I like to put you. So you've got these, this kind of tone, this, these contours. I feel like you sometimes have to have padded corners so that you don't ruffle too many feathers. And, and as you're saying, it's sort of like an organic process to understand how to put more padding on this side and political correctness on that side. And that's, you have to sort of meander. And of course you're always meandering, but finding your way through it. Yeah, it's like a bit like a jigsaw puzzle and trying to put it together, like with your eyes closed or something. Like, like it could be fun, and then it, it could be, it could be, it, it, it's like it's it's never solved. So it's like, oh, okay, how am I going to talk about this? Or now we're in this coronavirus era, and I'm I'm kind of like in this position of like, okay, how can I be a most service to the people listening to the show? Because I realize there's a portion of listeners that don't want to hear about it at all. And I have a compact with the people to take their mind off of stuff, but there's also all these people that are impacted. So it's like, how can I balance that? And, and that's something I guess I'm still exploring and trying to figure out and, and realize also, okay, it's okay to be a, a, a wrong too, like, and make a mistake as long as you're kind of trying to, trying to do it in the right way. When you do your recordings, I know you you now have a sound booth, and obviously you're very professional. The quality, the sound is beautiful. How often are you closing your eyes when you speak, or are you? Because I, I I've listened to other podcasts, you talk about being present. Is this a sort of a meditative present, closing my eyes and just seeing it through, or do you feel like you need to follow some notes and you're in more in a sort of almost a tutorial kind of mode? Yeah, so it's kind of a mixture of the two things, actually. Like, so when I do the writing for the show, I have this thing I call meander points. So if I'm writing an episode or I'm taking notes from a TV show, it's it's like trying to have so much material or enough structure that it has these like points I know where things are going to, but then in between it's all open. So it's like, oh, I can kind of close my eyes. And ideally, if I'm in a nice place and, and, and I'm present, then I can kind of see what unfolds in my imagination. And then when I start to get that nervousness or I feel it peter out and I start to get scared, I can be like, oh, okay, let's go on to this next point. So it's like I can kind of drift away. But but I think like the one thing I've learned is like when, when I get scared or when it gets petered out, I kind of have to have something to go to because otherwise it's going to wake the people up. I don't know. This, this is like in the area of like more feel the, the knowledge, but it's like, yeah, like how can I balance those two things? Sure. So I wanted to, since there's a growing interest in podcasting, not just because of today, but in general, it's obviously a big area. And 
you rightly point out that you've got here after uh, many years of hard work. When you're starting off, typically, as I am, I mean, I'm not starting off, but I'm still small. I do the post-production myself. I, I do my notes. I clean it up. I've got it all. I, I have my system, my workaround. I was wondering how much preparation you need to go for every episode you do. And, and do you have like a, I, like I have, I do blog posts and I have maybe 30 stockpiled buffered and I go back in, clean them up, go back in and publish them and so on. Yeah. So like, now this is not a good example. So anybody that actually listens to the podcast, you might want to skip this part, but it, it like overall, like about a hundred hours of labor going to the show a week. And like, so some of that's like maintaining the show at this point, but like each episode, ideally there's like, depending on the style of show, I would say on average, like 20 hours go into making one episode, one, one hour episode. Maybe it's more than that now as I've kind of like, I also tend to be a little bit obsessive, but so there's like the preparation then there's the recording and then there's the post-production that you're kind of talking about too of like, I ha- at this point I have an editor that I'll send the raw recording to. They'll run through it and give a listen and kind of clean it up. Then they'll send it to me and then I'll listen to it again and, and mix it. So that way, I don't know, that that is a position I got into over a few years, but it's like, oh, having more sets of ears on this can catch even more stuff of like the editor will be like, hey, there's this weird thing in there or you were shuffling your papers or yeah, I don't know what you said this and, and it just sounded off to me. So it, it, it just helps me be more accountable to the audience, but it is a lot of hard work. And I guess like if anybody's listening, that's like thinking about starting a podcast, I like always look at it in reverse. Now when I'm telling people advice, it's like, Oh, well how much time do you have to, to make a show and then kind of figure out, well, maybe just put it out once a month and then, it, and then grow into it and then go out every other month and, or every other week. And then, like I kind of did it the other way where I jumped in the pool in the deep end in freezing cold water. And I was like, make this work. But that's also part of my personality too. Right. And I like to say, you know, if you, if a lot of people say, well, I'll do it weekly. Well, do you, are you sure you can keep it up? Because better right. to, to add more than to wind it down because we know that so many of these podcasts do fritter away. So, you, you, as you explain in, in other podcasts, you talk about how you were an insomniac when you were younger. And, and I wrote this book on empathy. And the reason why I'll make the parallel is sometimes I get a comment and yippee yappy. Well, Minter, you think you're, you're like the expert of empathy, but that wasn't very empathic of you. So I end up being the, the cobbler poorly shooed or whatever the expression is. To your point, you're an insomniac. Now you're helping other people get to sleep. Do you still suffer from it? Can you, how, do, can you tolerate, how do you get to sleep when you're, <laughs> can't sleep with me? Yeah. So, so I think what a, the cobbler is like, that's a good one, but like, it's like the wounded healer archetype is another one that people get. So I still suffer from sleep issues and, and I've like, at this point, like sleep is in the zeitgeist and I read all these articles about sleep and sleep, how to get a good night's sleep. And I test stuff out because those students will be like, hey, I've tried this. Do you think it works? And I'm like, well, I'll test it out. I don't know. I mean, as long as it's not too crazy, I'll, I'll try it. But I still have trouble. Like sometimes it's falling asleep. Sometimes it's weight. Like, for example, this is real world. Like with the coronavirus, I've really not been sleeping well. Like I think the entire planet has not been no sleeping kidding. well. And so also my 
whole routine was off. So I was like, okay, Drew, you got to go back to your routine and, and try to have a bedtime routine and some kind of routine when you wake up. And it, I'm still waking up like this morning. I woke up at like five in the morning, wide awake. And I was like, oh my God. Like, and then I was thinking about our interview, which was at 9 a.m. my time. And I was like, okay, what if I fall back asleep? I sleep through this interview. And then, I was, then Barnaby's like, you're never getting back to sleep. So then I started reading a book. And eventually, was like at like 6.30, I was like, okay, let's try to go back to sleep. And I fell back asleep for an hour. So, so yeah, it, it, keeps me, it keeps me empathetic, like, that I know. I always wonder if that's, like, a, a, a job hazard. If I start sleeping eight hours a night perfectly, that's it. I'll have to stop the podcast. <laughs> Well, it's it's amazing, and and you know the fact that you're an audio. Maybe we always talk about radio people having a, a face for radio, but you have this beautiful. I I I personally resonate with your voice. Where that's the way I experience it, and I've talked about it a lot of times. And the good news, can you listen to your voice peacefully? I can listen to it, it, it and I think maybe this is over the growth of making the show where I, it doesn't. Well, I have a funny story about putting me to sleep, but. I, I don't listen to it in a hypercritical way. I listen to it more in a curious way. So if I'm listening to a show, it might be someone asks me a question, or a lot of times it's just like, huh, that's an interesting decision you made there. Or, oh, like you kind of missed, that kind of petered out. Or, oh, I wonder if, w- what we would do next time. So I'm able to like listen in a kind of a relaxed way to kind of learn maybe like these microscopic improvements are really how my show has grown. But also I, a lot of times I'll edit especially when I had a day job, I'd be editing on my lunch break and it would be warm. It'd be warm and I'd be full of food and I would fall asleep like at my desk, like listening to the show. So it does put me to sleep, just not at convenient times. Like I'd be like, Oh my God, I can't. Cause it's even more boring when I'm taking giant pauses or taking breaths or drinking water. And I would just pass out of my desk. But it's not the nature of this beast that you can't sort of automate and dictate sleep. It's sort of, it happens when you don't want it kind of thing. You're driving or, or not in inconvenient times, but when you need to have it and then all of a sudden, you know, you've got to get up for this bloody podcast and all of a sudden that kind of weighs in and then you can't snap it in. Yeah. I mean, it really is this strange need that human beings have like food, water, air, and sleep. And at least in most parts of the world, like those are readily available except for sleep. I mean, some people struggle to get food and water, but for the most part, like everyone struggles, like sleep's not under anyone's control. And it's, it's like the harder you try to control it, the harder it is, but we have a physiological need to sleep. And so it's like mind boggling. And then the more you need it and the more you want it, the further away it is. Well, some, some, people my wife would be one who just never has a problem sleeping virtually and never and then there it seems that there is this other epidemic of sleep where people do in ariana huffington now and and the walker book and so much there's much more topic about it it's becoming a common topic but not in business yet where we it's still sort of considered a personal thing it's almost like you it's almost you can't, you can't talk about sexuality or or sleep it's these are off limits almost what do you think about that i mean i think maybe we're progressing to that point i mean it's kind of ludicrous that it, it's like this like it's like not talking about something else like if like why would you go to a board meeting 
and it's like 55 degrees in the, in the meeting room and you're not going to say anything about it like because to your, to, you're afraid of like rocking the boat. It's, it's like the same thing. It's like everyone is impacted by sleep. I'm sure that over the next 10 years, like insurance companies are going to be more involved and, and, and health is going to be more involved. It's like, geez, like this is like, like in the race for productivity, like having sleep wins, like, like all science backs that up. But it's like this illusion that, oh, if I work harder Tough and I out. sleep less, yeah, it's ridiculous. I totally agree. I mean, as I was mentioning before we started recording about this, the three untapped levers of productivity, uh, empathy, sleep, and purpose. And I, I'm, I'm so not ashamed about that. It's just, it seems so obvious for me. I want to spend the last few moments, Drew, talking about more about the podcast itself, because, you know, you, you, the majority of people podcasting have uh, the average, as I was told by Rob Walsh at Libsyn, is 137 downloads after 30 days. You're at 33 million in a month. So anyway, much bigger numbers. That presumably is obviously good for a business model. But speak to us about how you've approached the, the, maybe the journey to get to the business model you have, because it seems to be pretty much there's, there's a voluntary donations and then there's the, the, the gifts or the, the things you can buy in, the, in your Sleep With Me store. How do you get there? Yeah, so it was a slow journey. Like, like it was. Uh, so I, I decided to make the show as we were talking about earlier, and I had set a goal of making the podcast for two years. And I was like, okay, if we make this thing for two years, I'll view it as a success, no matter what happens. Like that was the deal I made with that mirror version of myself of like, are you ever going to try anything? And I was like, well, if we do this for two years, that's pretty successful compared to all of our other projects we didn't follow through on. Never started. It, it, and so then at the end of those two years, that paper dragon critic of mine was like, oh, this was a whole disaster, blah, blah, blah. But the rest of me was like, you know what we should, I, want, I really want to keep making this podcast. People are listening and I'm enjoying it and it's really hard, but I think we should keep doing it. And then it was kind of like, well, how are we going to keep doing this? Because the time I was working on it wasn't sustainable. So then it was like, okay, can I bring on some help, like a freelance editor? How much would that cost? How are we going to bring in that money? And, and then it was like the dream. Oh, could I work on this podcast full time? And it mad, what I ended up doing was going from three quarter time at my job to half time to full time and just testing stuff out like membership, like voluntary donations, trying to get sponsors. Like, would you advertise on a sleep podcast? What other things do people buy that? Like we have these sleep headphones that, that are very popular. So it's just kind of testing things out and being paid. Well, most of the time I wasn't patient. I'd be freaking out. I'd be like, oh my gosh, these people are listening to this show, but I can't figure out a way to, to keep it going or, or, or bring in any funds or anything. And they'd be like, okay, well, let's just take it slow and keep going. So it is vacillating between being very, I'm still like, ah, oh man, but, but it, it's like, okay. Which, and it comes back to that purpose that you kind of said. It's like, what is my job? Like a lot of times I've almost ruined the podcast by going down these other rabbit holes. And it's like, what are you doing? Your job's to make the podcast that puts people to sleep, right? Does this have to do with that podcast that puts people to sleep? Or is this going to help make the podcast that puts people to sleep? No, I guess it won't. Okay, then maybe we shouldn't be doing that anymore. Oh, okay. That's, thanks, thanks for letting me know. I love that internal 
uh, journey that you're talking about. So when you are looking at the podcast, how much are you using the back office? Because the data back in 2013, when you began, data was quite impoverished to, to say the least. Now it's becoming better. How much are you looking at drop-offs? And I mean, <laughs> drop-offs is what you're wanting, which is counterintuitive, but what, how does the data help you? And, and what are you looking for in the data these days? So I love data. So, so like, uh, and it does inform a lot of how I make the show, especially because I can line it up with what the listeners are saying and see how the data correlates with that. So for me, and it's interesting you brought up Rob Walsh because I had a conversation with him one time because I said, do you know, like with the, the new data we're getting from Apple, I can see when, like what percentage of my listeners have a 45 minute, a 30 minute or a 60 minute sleep timer sleep time. set. So it's just like these drop-offs at those points. And then I can also see how many people are reconsuming shows, which was something I never knew before. It's like uh, how many people are re-listening to an episode. So that can kind of help me be like, it can also see like, oh, wow, that episode just did not, no one liked that episode. They they turned it off early. Yeah. Or like they didn't re-listen. So the ones that people re-listen to more and more, it tells me, oh, okay, there was something about this that really worked or, or that people don't re-listen to. It's like, oh, that w- didn't work as well. Or how many people start the show? Like a lot of mean emails I'll get will be like, oh, I can't believe you're asking for support or, oh, I can't believe that. And then I see the numbers don't back that up. It's like those people are have a strong opinion, but only 2% of my listeners skip ahead. Like, like So it's like, okay, that just does it. The data doesn't back up. That's your opinion. But it's not a majority opinion. So it can help just like try to refine what I'm doing, I guess. I love the fact that you're looking at the data and that you're a data geek. And, and I, I mean, it's, it's, it's so relevant, the style of data that you have, as opposed to what other podcasters are, they're, they're wanting to have the 60 minutes. When it comes to the sponsors, of course, the challenge is remembering uh, next morning to, or, you know, waking them up and turning the lights on and then, you know, clicking on the, I want that right now. When, what what I've seen as, as a trend is, is that the, the host is the person who's speaking the sponsorship. And that is considered, I think the, the winning thing because it's more authentic. It's coming from your voice. It's more natural. It's, you, you know, the flow. To what extent do you feel like you also need to love the products? In other words, if I came to you with uh, some horrible item, you're going to be no way. There's always this sort of mm, balance you have to work on. Yeah, so I, I think the host reds are very important. And for me, it is like very important me testing out the products, like everything. And I reject a lot of stuff. But I also will filter it through because I'm probably more rejecting than other people would be. So sometimes I'll be like, hey, I don't, I don't want to try this. And I'll, I'll ask someone else, maybe another podcaster or someone I work with and be like, well, what do you think? Like, I'm, a, I'm pretty resistant to that, but I want to have your opinion. And usually they'll give me their opinion. And very occasionally they'll be like, I think you should try, like at least test the product out or something. So I think it's very important that I believe in the product. I don't have to necessarily... I don't know, most, all the ones that have stuck with me are like products I regularly use. And it's kind of devastating to me when like a sponsor doesn't work out of a product I love. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm buying as a customer and my listeners aren't. Like, uh, so 
and the, but I also can't predict what works. It's like some products I love, or I think my audience will love, they just don't land. And then other ones, like there's this deodorant company and I love them. And I was like, oh, I don't like, like, I was like, oh, I love this deodorant so much. And I was so terrified it wouldn't work out with the audience. I'm like, I just don't know if my audience will buy deodorant. And it worked out. So I was like, so glad because I'm like, I don't care if this company ever sponsors the show again. I'm, I'm their customer forever. Well, so it's always it had some lavender in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I think for me, it's like, I always look at the sponsorships like, are they going to be, is this company going to become a part of the show? Like where the listeners feel like, oh, I know this company and I affiliate them with helping me fall asleep. And they're kind of like part of this broader family sense. So it's like, oh, do they fit in with that kind of concept? And are they, do they believe in the show enough to stick around long enough that they become a part of like where the listeners are like, oh, I know them. They're a part of the show. That's when it'll be successful. Like, it's just like anything else. Like, I mean, podcasting, it's a little bit less than this, but somebody coming in and looking to sell a bunch of stuff right away or really fast, it's just not going to work. They're like, I need an instant return on my investment. It's like, well, that's not really how this show works. Like, you have to believe in the show for the listeners to believe in your product. It's, it's just, uh, it's going to be a, a more of a long-term commitment. That makes sense. Have you ever had a conversation around product placement? As in, so Scoots was talking this and then, you know, I put on the deodorant because I was feeling good and I liked this deodorant called Brand X. And I, I think like, uh, I, I get, I don't know. I guess like I always think about it like, uh, I've always wondered if the wristers are going to be like, like, I went for a dream, like I had a dream I ate 40 sticks of deodorant and it's like, like having crazy dreams about it. <laughs> That's so funny, Drew. Well, I love it. So, Drew, where can, let's say that I, I'm imagining iTunes is probably the most popular podcast as it is for most of us. For, but where, where do you like people to come find you, follow what you're up to, learn more about you? Oh, and I wanted to ask you one more question, which is, do you have a favorite app or other tool that you could recommend for us to also go down, not to go to sleep because that's you, but otherwise? For podcasting or? or for, no, for sleeping. So I like my noise. It's called. It's a it's an audio app, and it, it it's it's it it has like a lot of different sounds, and you can kind of adjust them. Like I'm a big fan of pink noise personally, or I'll use a lot of fans, and I'm always in search of things like because I can hear the loops and I can hear the breaks, and it, it may, then I'm like, oh, this just goes going to work because I can hear when it reloops. So this one, it, it's really fun. Anybody that likes audio, it's a free app to download, and then it has some free audio samples, and then you can buy more, but it's my noise. Right, and I'll play with it everywhere. And it actually works in the background, so you can listen to other stuff. Like there's like spaceship noises, there's throat singers, there's so many different things that you could test out, and you can mix them together. So I'll be listening to like throat singers, jungle noises, in spaceships all at the same time. That sounds very much like listening to the Grateful Dead, um, yeah, yeah. where you've got so many different things going on at the same time. Love it, Drew. So back to my regular question, my initial question, which is how do people find out more about your podcast? And I put all these in the show notes and, and where would you like people to follow you or connect with you? Sure. The easiest thing to do is uh, look in the podcast app you use for Sleep With Me and it should come up and you can check out the show there. 
If you need to know more, you're like, well, I'm not so sure about this guy or whatever. My website is sleepwithmepodcast.com. I, I don't think Sleep With Me has any... I, I think it's just a parked URL, but yes, like, I you saw probably that. don't want to put that in your browser history anyway. No. So uh, sleepwithmepodcast.com, those are the best places. Oh, it, and if you're on Instagram, right now I'm trying to do uh, kind of just live streams about telling bedtime stories and encouraging people to tell the people in their lives bedtime stories, especially now that we're kind of all defining this new idea of loneliness and togetherness is kind of like, we're in a weird mashup of that right now. But I think people telling one another bedtime stories, just like we talked about at the beginning of the show, just for fun, it could give you a lot, like from an empathetic perspective, it's like, you know how it feels not to be able to, t- to fall asleep. It, and it can kind of connect you with, with the other person. So it's just something I'm playing with is to test that out and have fun with it. Well, I'm sure to put that in the show notes, Drew. Thank you so much. I salute your journey. I definitely love and talk regularly about what you're up to. And I really appreciate the fact that you've taken the time to come on, got up early to come on my show. Thanks a lot, Drew. Thanks so much for having me on. Thanks for having listened to this recording of the Minter Dialogue Show. You'll find the show notes and other blog posts on minterdial.com. If you enjoyed the show, please head over to iTunes to give a rating and review. And to finish, here's a song I wrote with Stephanie Singer, A Convinced Man.
Hi, my name is Sara, and I want to tell you about my podcast called Can I Offer You Some Feedback? I'm a business consultant and executive coach with over 20 years experience in change management, leadership development, and naturally providing feedback to high performers. My podcast is for those of you who have a complicated relationship with feedback, whether giving, receiving, avoiding, or seeking. Feedback is essential for our development. In each episode, you'll hear from real people across industries with their ideas, perspectives, and best practices on feedback. I'll also be sharing business bites with you, simple explanations of organizational tools, management techniques, and leadership philosophies that will help you and your businesses thrive. You can listen to Can I Offer You Some Feedback on your favorite podcast app or learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com.